Amen. All right, quickly to the book of Hebrews tonight, again, chapter number 13, uh, back in the same passage where we were uh, this morning, uh, and I hope that was able to communicate my heart uh, and thoughts about uh, just dealing with all the different, different things that are going on, and, uh, and I want to continue with that, but backing up uh, into uh, some of the admonitions that uh, I believe Paul, uh, my opinion, wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, but uh, you know, all of all of the apostles' uh, epistles, uh, they um, uh, close with uh, practical exhortations. And here we find it through chapter number twelve, just a whole lot of uh, information, doctrinal things, and setting that uh, and uh, laying out as we read in all of those uh, books. Uh, and then we have uh, list after list of things that God wants us to do or how we're to live and behave. And, uh, and I appreciate that structure uh, in uh, the Bible because the end of knowledge is practice, all right? Uh, I mean, why, why learn something uh, if you're not going to use it? And uh, I mean, knowledge is great, but the end of knowledge uh, is practice. And so God instructs them. Uh, and then says, now here's what you're supposed uh, to go and do. And uh, it was usual for uh, Christian teachers to close uh, their epistles and letters with direct uh, practical application. So uh, doing so here is, uh, is uh, especially appropriate uh, because it was necessary to show those Jewish Christians uh, that morals and piety were uh, were the same, as I mentioned, in, in, in both dispensations, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, because we're under grace doesn't mean we, the law is, uh, is, is completely done away with. There's much in the law uh, that is helpful and fruitful for us, uh, and uh, we're not set free. It's just an excuse that people make uh, to live and do things that they uh, shouldn't do. So uh, we're, you know, we're to expect uh, things in this new despair disposition, uh, disposition uh, and uh, uh, dispensation uh, to be um, a little bit more um, uh, refined. Uh, that's why God says, you know, in the old thou shalt not kill. And, uh, and now uh, if you say you hate your brother uh, and uh, you shouldn't um, uh, commit adultery, but now if you lust after a woman, you've committed adultery already. And so if you think, uh, if you read the Old Testament and you find a moral law, um, pretty much know uh, that in the new dispensation, that moral law has been refined uh, in one way or another and is, uh, I'm pretty much 99% sure uh, that it's more stringent uh, now than it was even then. Uh, but under grace, uh, we have a greater motivation uh, to serve and do and to obey, and God has done so much. And uh, we have uh, the entire Bible that we can look back on uh, and to learn uh, even to learn from the mistakes that people uh, we read about uh, in the Bible. So uh, absolute trust uh, in God was the attitude of uh, the older Jews, and this was met uh, with a bestowment of, uh, of material and temporal rewards. And so he's teaching them now uh, this idea of contentedness. But it has more, just as much to do with uh, with contentment on every level uh, as it does uh, with uh, just uh, um, covetous over, covetousness over material uh, things. Uh, however, they struggled uh, with all of that. 
Uh, so practical Christian obligations and duties uh, had to be dealt with by God uh, with them. Uh, and uh, we read like as in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, you know, uh, they, uh, there's a duty that we have, each Christian has, uh, that is laid out here in this passage to, uh, and we can't spend time on it because I said sermonette, uh, the duty of a Christian to a brother in verse number one, let brotherly love continue. Uh, we have uh, then uh, the practice of hospitality uh, to be not forgetful to entertain strangers. Uh, you know, a perfect you know, example of that, uh, fresh on our mind, is, uh, is being hospitable to people in the community uh, and open up the doors. And, uh, and, uh, and you know, I was, I was blessed uh, in my own heart, uh, in spirit, by uh, those interactions and uh, you know, in uh, entertaining uh, angels, maybe hell's angels, uh, you know, a couple of them. Uh, but uh, but uh, you understand what I'm saying? The, when we do things uh, like that, uh, we're, we're blessed by it. And that's when, uh, you know, that whole idea of when you're feeling bad about yourself or things that you do something for someone else. In uh, all of that uh, hospitality, uh, he reminds them of their duty to practice that. Uh, the, uh, there's an expression of, uh, of their own personal sympathy and uh, remembering them that are in bonds and uh, encouraging them to, uh, to uh, be mindful of that. And uh, he talks about the gaining of personal purity and, uh, in the marriage bed there and, uh, in verse number four, uh, and then sums it up uh, with, uh, with the text that we read this morning uh, from verses five and six and down through eight uh, where we finished off. Uh, with, uh, uh, with what our tone should be, our Christian tone. Uh, and uh, we, uh, we often, um, as I expressed, uh, we, don't, we don't behave or communicate uh, to people. Uh, it, it doesn't mesh up. What we say we believe in what we're saying or doing uh, is not consistent. Uh, and and we and so he's reminding them to uh, to uh, to let their conversation uh, be without covetousness and to be content with such things as they have, uh, and that God was going to be there and never leave them. So quickly, uh, three things uh, I want to point out. The first one is this: the manner of life uh, that is characteristically Christian. Uh, as uh, you look into the New Testament and you look at the word conversation. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's speaking to our, our life in general, uh, our uh, testimony, uh, our, uh, you know, how we, we walk our talk. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's not just, not just hearing, but it's doing. Uh, it's not just uh, knowledge, it's practice. Uh, and that's why Paul said the things that you've heard and seen, etc., in me, do. Uh, and uh, perform it. Uh, be doers of the word and not just hearers only. And if, and if, if modern Christians would just get that and, and just realize uh, that, uh, that their life, um, uh, well, consistent with like the testimony that Brother Goodman had given uh, in how we're a living sacrifice. Uh, and uh, that's our reasonable thing. I mean, after all that God has done for us, it's reasonable uh, for us to serve him. 
and uh, and uh, and even with all the labors and the busyness and uh, and uh, and and I feel uh, that we could just serve him every day and uh, and really not repay the Lord for what he has done. Uh, he he uh, through all that allows us uh, the blessedness of rest and family and uh, which is one of the the great things about. Uh, about uh, COVID uh, has been uh, the increased time uh, that we've got to spend with people we care about uh, or to work from home or uh, those types of things. All of that is just a blessing uh, from the Lord. And so he talks about their turning about in all kinds of uh, areas in relation to life and that their life would be without Covetousness. Uh, covetousness is self-centeredness, uh, and the remedy for self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. Uh, and when we, we think about our reaction, um, like all the things I don't like about politics and the election and prospects. Um, and it's, it's really, I, I, I measure all that with how it affects me uh, or what, what I like or don't like or what I want. In honest, and if I, if, if I can just be just straight up transparent, one of the biggest reasons I wanted Trump to win is because I was supporting him and, uh, and saying stuff to people and, uh, and, uh, and, and really going to bat. So I feel like I lost. And, uh, and I don't like losing. You follow me? And so it's not even about like the future of our planet. Uh, it's just all, it, it could be all about me. Uh, like I mentioned, like the whole world revolves around me. Uh, and that, that kind of analogy today. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is uh, the cure for self-centeredness is Christ-centeredness. And that's why we get our eyes off of us or circumstances back on Him. And then we begin to realize uh, how, how little um, all that really means. Uh, in how minuscule uh, our part is, you know, and in, in you think of uh, all the interviews and all the things and you can watch videos and you see all the, all the coverage and, uh, and, uh, and everybody's got this and that. And, and then you think, well, nobody asked me. Nobody asked me what I thought uh, about nobody's called me. I've never been polled. Nobody's ever called me for a poll. Uh, and uh, and you, be, you begin, uh, begin to feel like, uh, like uh, the world is just this big, huge place, uh, and, uh, and you're just that little speck in it, and, and that's probably good for us. Uh, so being centered on Christ, to be without covetousness is quite consistent with every uh, thing and ambition of life. And so the second thing uh, is this. Um, we see in this idea of tone, uh, the spirit of contentedness, the spirit that that spirit is characteristic of Christianity, being content. Uh, and it's advice, I think, that's easily understood. We think about it in terms of, uh, of, uh, of money and things like that. Uh, but contentment is not indifference. Uh, it is, it's not listlessness. It's, it's waiting on God and, uh, and, uh, and what God is going to do. Contentment means cheerfully accepting our place and duty uh, in life, whatever that may involve. It, uh, it involves uh, fully doing those things when they're placed before us. And, uh, and of course, uh, it's consistent uh, with our, us being prayerful throughout change. And uh, I was um, uh, almost going to preach, not this message, uh, but a different message today, and maybe I'll do it another time, give you a sneak preview. But uh, if you think about uh, somebody like Joseph, and I'm, I, this can be connected to our 
waiting on election results to uh, waiting on somebody being saved or, or not knowing uh, all that God is doing because his ways are higher than our ways. Uh, so my mind goes back to Joseph. Uh, when you read, and in, in, uh, I think it's in, let me look at this note here, uh, Genesis, uh, you don't need to turn there, Genesis 37, the first part of it, the first couple of verses, in verse number two, uh, the scriptures tell us how old Joseph was uh, when uh, the whole coat of many colors and uh, when he was sold into slavery, it says he was 17. That's how old he was. Often we think he, he's younger uh, because of uh, how the story lays out, uh, but it gives us, here's how old he is at 17. Uh, and, uh, and, uh, and then uh, he's sold into slavery, uh, and he spends the next 13 years. Say, so how do you know that? Because it says when he stood before Pharaoh uh, and was given charge, uh, it, as the overseer, the Bible says he was 30. So for, from the time he was 17 to the time he was 30, 13 years, two of those he spent in jail, the rest of that time in Potiphar's house, he had zero idea about what God was doing. It was, it was um, <laughs> bummer after bummer and crisis after crisis and, uh, and just craziness and bakers and uh, we know how, how the story goes. But for 13 years, finally at 30, uh, is when uh, he is made overseer of the land. Uh, and then you had seven good years. Uh, and then two years into the seven bad years is when his family shows up. Uh, and, uh, and, and so uh, you do the math, he's 39 uh, at that time when, uh, when that begins to unfold. And we see all the emotion and everything involved uh, with that initial reunion and with his brothers and just the, all the stuff that was taking place. And, uh, and then if we look at the timeline, it was another two years to where, uh, you know, uh, his father was brought there and everything. So now he's 41. So if I, was to, if I was to say to you, um, you don't know what's going on today in your life, uh, but you'll have it figured out in 24 years. Um, you know, we'd go like, whoa, because we don't have that kind of patience. And because we don't, we can look back at things like uh, uh, the life of, of Joseph. And, uh, and when you get to Genesis chapter number 50, the latter part, like the end of the book of Genesis, is where he says what was meant for evil for me uh, was meant for good and to the saving of, of all these people, paraphrasing. Uh, so it's, it's uh, all that time uh, learning and growing and being patient and not seeing uh, how God works all things together for good. And so you might not, you might not realize uh, what your takeaway uh, from 2020 uh, really is uh, for a long time down the road. I mean, if God gives you insight to it now and we can praise God, that's wonderful. Uh, but, uh, but God is on a, on a, a schedule in a, in a time frame that, that is not ours. Uh, and uh, 24 years to us, that seems to be like a long time. So if you think in 2044... Uh, you know, uh, would be kind of analogous to that is like where he's saying, hey, um, all this stuff that took place, God had a purpose and a plan uh, in what was meant for evil, uh, what might be meant for evil towards us and all these restrictions and it, whatever. God has a purpose and a plan in it. Uh, the least of which we can all agree uh, is to grow us in grace uh, and to, to form and shape us like I talked about this morning. And so I just thought about 
uh, that timeline with Joseph. Uh, and, uh, and so I don't know if, uh, if it takes three weeks for uh, things to get panned out or however it is with elections or whatever. Um, it ain't 24 years. Uh, and, uh, and God uh, often works quicker than that uh, in our life. But uh, the, the characteristic of Christianity should be a contentedness and a trust uh, and then a restful assurance, which is the third thing. Uh, is a characteristic of, our, of us as Christians. Uh, uh, you know, it says, the Lord is my helper, uh, and I will not fear, verse number six, what man shall do unto me. Think about uh, in Psalm 118, where it says this, the, the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What can man do unto me? Um, you know, what can, what, can, what can man do unto us? What can a, a governor or a you know, city councilman or a president or, uh, or whatever, what can they do? Uh, and by the way, nothing evil can befall us except it uh, is allowed uh, by God and for His express purpose. And, and so when bad things happen to good people, uh, we automatically have to go as a Christian with this uh, and think, okay, what is God trying to, what is God trying to teach me? And you learn, you, how many have learned a lot about themselves in 2020? I mean, I have. Uh, and uh, I've, learned, I've learned a lot about, um, you know, what's important, what's not important, what you can, you know, um, do with and do without. And wasn't it crazy the other day, uh, it's just run up on election, people were horking toilet paper again. Uh, you go in a store and all the toilet paper is gone. People have lost their minds. Uh, and, uh, and so uh, it's just, uh, and then it just kind of, somebody says it, hey, uh, there's no toilet, and then everybody just runs and, uh, to the store and tries to, to get it, uh, and uh, we've learned a lot about um, materialism and, uh, in, in so many different things. We're better. If you think about it, you're better now than you were last year um, for all that you have gone through and observed uh, in this year, even, uh, you know, uh, how the Bible talks, our countenance is made glad, even through sorrow and uh, with the loss of loved ones and stuff. Um, you say, how does that make me better? I don't know. Um, but God says it does. And, uh, and uh, so I just believe God. And when, uh, I, when I begin to question that with my own, it's usually when I'm thinking too much uh, and uh, I've got to get my thoughts under captivity and remind myself uh, that anything that exalts itself above God is not, uh, is not, a, is not a good thing. Uh, and so to, to humble uh, myself before the Lord has to humble me. Uh, and then just step back and just realize that, hey, God hasn't left me nor forsaken me. Uh, and uh, that he is the same yesterday uh, and forever. So we know three things uh, that are characteristically Christian from this passage. Making Christ our life aim. Uh, accepting what he provides, the way he provides it, how much he provides, uh, but then resting our hearts uh, in the sense that his presence is with us. And, and that's where, really where we need to be uh, right now uh, in, uh, in not just politics, uh, but in every area of our life, resting in the presence of God. And, uh, and so I'm thankful uh, for that because without these words, um, without the truth, without the direction uh, from God, um, you know, uh, we, wouldn't, we wouldn't have direction. We would be without hope and we would struggle so much more uh, than we are. 
And so I just wanted you to think about those uh, several things uh, tonight and to be thankful and to praise God uh, with our testimonies. And so let's all stand with our uh, heads bowed and we're going to pray as, uh, of course, our custom is uh, in uh, a short message. But um, probably uh, the best thing that we can do tonight is just to spend a little bit of time in thanking God uh, and praising Him uh, that He is our helper uh, and uh, that God has given us. Uh, exactly, uh, exactly what uh, we uh, need, deserve, however you want to look at it, and just thank Him. Thank Him uh, for the blessings and thank Him uh, for the, uh, the hope uh, that He gives us through uh, words like we've read tonight in Hebrews chapter number 13. As the panel begins to play, let's just spend a few minutes with the Lord tonight. Just thank Him. Uh, maybe bring someone before the Lord and pray for them. Maybe you know somebody who's not handling life um, in all of its changes uh, quite graciously enough. And maybe you need to pray for them. Maybe you need to encourage them. Maybe come alongside them and uh, in maybe bear a burden or at least uh, to pray uh, for them and let them know that you're thinking about them. And, uh, and uh, that's all important. Uh, 